0: This episode I have an interview with the creator of a Mithras dungeon crawl and the rules guru surprises us all with another in-depth look at a requested rule. Welcome to the Mithras Matters Podcast Season 1 Episode 37, Getting Surprised in an Endless Maze. Welcome to Mithras Matters, a podcast dedicated to the Mithras rule set and all its supplements. As always, I am your host, In Wills, and welcome to June. Now, I've been producing this podcast for some time now. Over three years, um, but I continue to enjoy every moment of it. And it is through um, producing this podcast that I have had the opportunity to chat to some of the wonderful, creative people in the Mithras family. I continue to learn more and more about the game, and this has really supported me in creating the rules videos that I create for YouTube. And one of those videos I create is an introduction to the Mithras rule set, which I hope might have lured some people um, into playing the Mithras rules. As well as the rules videos and of course our actual play videos, I am starting to diversify and to create some videos focusing on GM topics. I'm really enjoying producing these and I'm going down the top five tips route for as many of them as I can. So far, I've done one of these for the essential GM skills, another one um, to spice up your journeys. And the one that is coming out in this month will be some tips when your players go astray. I think we have all as GMs had this moment in our gaming when we've planned for one thing and the players go off in a completely different direction. Having experienced this on several occasions, it has actually made me change how I create ventures now. There will be a video on my creation process coming soon. So do go and check out my YouTube channel. The link will be in the show notes. Before I play the jingle and move on to the next segment, I wanted to ask you all a question. We all remember the pandemic and not being able to leave our homes for a certain amount of time during lockdown, Well, during that time, many people moved their RPG sessions to virtual tabletops. And I was wondering whether anyone has kept using them or whether they have moved back to -to face-to-face games around a real-life table. In our group, we have some players from the United Kingdom, where I am based, and the others across the pond in America. So the virtual platform is really the only option open to us. But I was wondering if any groups have made that move to the virtual tabletop from face-to-face gaming. It would be great to hear your comments about this and which ones you prefer. And so why don't you head over to either the Discord or the Tapper Talk forums and let me know Also, if you are brave enough, there is an option to record your feedback. The links to this are in the show notes. And anybody who records something, I'll play your answers at the end of the next episode. So virtual or real life, which do you prefer and why? I'm looking forward to reading and listening to your answers. I've mentioned before in many episodes that the Mithras community is blessed with some fantastic creators. Later on, we have the rules guru back with more rule explanation. But first up, we're going to talk with the creator of an excellent adventure module called the Maze of Miseria. Over to you, Jason.
1: Uh, I'm Jason Duff and I own Earl of Fife Games. I'm a designer uh, and developer uh, and I do most of
0: our layout and that sort of thing. Yeah. Fantastic. And is it Fife Games, did you say? Is it is. What? Yeah, Earl of yeah. Fife Games. Yep. And what, what do they do? What, what, do you just produce adventures for different um, systems?
1: I do. That is mainly what we have done so far. Uh, we do have some plans for our own system,
0: which would be coming out in Kickstarter soon. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, hmm yeah, definitely give me the link for that and I'll sure. put it in the the show notes. So, so right. are you do you just play Mithras is that the game that you play or I play do
1: do? I I play as many games as I possibly yeah. can. I kind of uh have have always wanted to do that back in when I I kind of first started with role playing games and the, you know, uh, you know, everybody was just playing D&D and at the time. Yeah. You know, it was really hard to get anybody to play anything other than D&D 3.5 and and I really wanted to do other things. I started playing a Song of Ice and Fire role playing game and trying to get other Brilliant. people to do other stuff. Yeah. And then we, we kind of started a, um, an actual play channel. Uh, it's called Blades and Blasters. And that's what we have done is try to play as many different systems as we possibly could. And then I kind of just kind of rolled over into doing development of our own stuff, too. So
0: fantastic. So what what's your favorite system? my favorite system
1: <laughs> It's hard to say um, I have I have a lot of favorites um, I like uh, the Conan 2d20 oh, uh, yes. system yeah. that's one of one of my favorites uh, Mithras is a great system um, and yeah there's just right now I, I think probably my what I'm playing right now I'm playing paladin uh the it's like a pendragon spinoff uh fantastic. so i really like that and we're playing twilight 2000 the new new version of that so
0: how many times yeah. do you play a week <laughs> uh about two probably wow yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we only have once on a on a saturday yeah. evening and we're currently playing M Space. i don't know if you <clears throat> you know it which is mithras in space which yeah. is um, fantastic so i've got your module um that came through via the mithras gateway and published via them so yeah tell us about your module tell us
1: Well, the maze of of Miseria is a um, a little different than things I've seen released for uh, Mithras. Uh, It is, um, I guess, what you could say a a dungeon crawl. Only that is not. It's not a real great um, descriptor of Mm -hmm. what it is. Yeah, it is a big dungeon. Well, not even that big. It's a dungeon, Um, and uh, the focus on it is kind of uh, letting the players do what they like and presenting. ramifications for what they do yeah. um it, it, it's it's a module where if they went the right way and did certain things they could be out very quickly very quickly yeah <laughs> yeah if they want um, but you know most players are tempted to explore they're tempted to find out what's in that next door what's around this corner hey i didn't go that way let's go yeah. back and that actually Punishes them
2: uh, <laughs> in, in
1: this module. And it's done on purpose um, because it's like, well, you're in this place and you're walking around, exploring through heavy, um, you know, ruins and mm. you having to crawl over things, scramble over things and long distances walking and well, you're going to get tired. You don't have food. Uh, can you actually rest? And that's really kind of what it boils down to is yeah. what risk are you willing to take Um, in this place. And you you might not get out right away because you might not go the right way, but you could go straight out and and get out, right? There's no like ending boss right Uh, at the very end there's one that kind of chases you around a bit um, but you know that you could solve that pretty quickly um, if you wanted to uh, if you came into that area and you wanted to to
0: do that so yeah I I must say I would be a a totally (laughs) <laughs> um, he, he invested in. Cause I was always, I well, was still, I'm a map completionist. Mm-hmm. I, I want to, you know, if there's right. an empty corridor on my map, right. I want to know what's down there, you know, sure. so I would probably be in the maze for some time. Right. Yeah. Well, so what was the inspiration for behind the adventure?
1: Well, um, I hadn't seen anything like it really. Um, I, you know, you see, you see a a big dungeon crawl and you go and you solve puzzles you ne- uh, negotiate around traps and you fight things right yeah which this has all that too but i hadn't seen anything where it was like okay you're you're really punished for um exploring really it's quite yeah. the opposite of that in in most actual uh mazes or mm-hmm. or dungeons that you see, right? You you go and you get the loot and you get where there's not a whole t- there there could be, right? There's there's one uh not to spoil things too much, but there's yeah. there's one section where there's a huge golden statue you can pick up and take with you. But yeah, it's it's worth a ton of money, but you know how heavy that thing is and yeah. it just it compounds all the fatigue. And Mithras has a really good fatigue system to explore. And I felt that you know it was a really good idea to make make people punished for carrying hugely you know Very heavy things so. yeah so, yeah
0: and I, I love the fatigue system in Mithras yeah. I I really do and we even use it in combat you know yeah. so they and I think it really um the players have that urgency that they need to finish the combat as quickly as possible sure. otherwise they're going to be you know calling on baltabi to remove their fatigue or right you know yeah. or mm-hmm. to fill them with amriel's power so yeah it reminded me of the classic dungeon crawls like you said but I, as soon as i read it I suddenly realized that it was a lot more than that, uh, a lot more. And I really I thought this is going to be interesting. So how easy do you think it would be to fit into a, an existing campaign or something like that?
1: I mean, I, th- I think it, it could You know, uh, the way it starts out is kind of by happenstance, you fall into it. Right. But it could be (laughs) I mean, you could end that anywhere, but it also could be, you know, hey, uh, you could kind of take that out and say, you know, you need to go into this area to find something and you could. Or, or whatever the reason is. And you can put yeah. that at the end at, as well as, you know, everything else. And I think it would be quite easy. And and one thing I wanted to kind of discuss is like the difficulty can be scaled quite easily as yeah, well. If, awesome. you, if you don't want it as hard as it is now, which I, I, f- I feel it could be kind of difficult um, based on, you know, compounding fatigue, you can, instead yeah. of, you know, the way, the way it se- speaks today is you go from this place to this state- place and you gain fatigue. There's no, there's no endurance tests or anything like that, but you could add those. You could say, well, you can make an endurance test and if you fail, you gain fatigue, but if you succeed, you do not. Yeah. Right. That sort of thing. Or, and, and then you can just scale the difficulty of the skill checks too, uh, and, and, you know, make it, make it easier. Um, so if, if you wanted to, or harder, so.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah and i i really liked how it was introduced actually because i i suddenly thought one of these days i might not be prepared enough and i just sort of, like thought i can grab this and yeah. they naturally fall through when they're traveling from a to b and it's right. a nice contained uh right, adventure yeah. for, for yeah. them um do you you talked about the skill levels and changing it um at the moment do you think new players or new characters would be um, be able to cope or a bit of experience, do you think?
1: Um, I think if they had a bit of experience, I think that would be best. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, it really depends what they do. Um, even the most experienced characters, if they are walking around and they get to a f- fatigue level where they're totally, you know, um, <laughs> comatose, crippled, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's not going to, it's not going to matter. Yeah. Um, it's, um, it really, it really depends on the choices they make, but if you want to make it, um, easier, you definitely could. I I think that, um, it's probably set for, um, a high level of difficulty for new, new characters. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that if you take, um, if you, if you, if you take the right paths uh, and not even take the right paths, but like try to, you know, navigate it yeah. uh, in a way that you're you're trying to find the exit, which I think is realistic. Like, I think if you and I were in a maze, we'd just be trying to get out. Right. Exactly. But, <laughs> so, <but> very true. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, um, but if you're if you're looking to find every little thing go every every place get everything you possibly can i think it's going to be tough
0: for for new new characters for sure and and i think um when i was reading it i thought i first of all will fall into that habit of trying to find everything and tick everything off but as soon as i get the feeling of the fatigue and this is not supporting me then i could actually see um groups decisions changing and and that's what i've seen in play
1: that's that's what i saw in play right people started they're like okay i'm gonna go find this and that and okay there's a path this way i'm gonna go that way you know and um and then they realize oh man I'm (laughs) i'm getting in trouble here right yeah and so you know i need to i need to actually try to find the exit and that's and that's what happened uh the majority of the time people people realized that they were uh hurting themselves by by exploring. Yeah. And they tried
0: to find the exit after that, so... I have to say, in the play test, did any groups actually just, you know, get so tired that they couldn't get out? Yeah, they, they, uh,
1: I, I've, I've found, uh, there, there's two times that, uh, they got very fatigued and then ran into the Minotaur and then died.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, it's, it's not, it's going to be very difficult at yeah. that point with those yeah, right. fatigue levels. So yeah. what, what do we get in the module? Um, what's sort of like in, in the package when we buy it
1: so you'll get uh, you'll get a 62 page um adventure digest size um so basically you're getting one column um if it was a4 it would probably be like 40 pages yeah. um but um you get you get that you get uh, it has um five sections in the in the maze itself um there's uh, a good blend of social encounters combat encounters uh and uh not, not so much puzzles, but traps, um, in, in, in the maze. Um, I think it has pretty high replayability for, uh, people who have not played it. Uh, you know, if you have different players and you want to run them through it again, you know as a gm you're not going to see the same thing every time i feel most definitely uh, yeah. yeah it it really depends on what the players do they have complete autonomy to do whatever they want uh right. once they're in there uh they can you know solve challenges different ways i feel yeah um and you'll get um if you do the um and, and really anyway anywhere you buy it, you get uh a, a keyed map and an unkeyed map uh for uh the maze yeah um, in, in the PDF itself, you will get um, each section has a summary for yeah. Quick Play, and you can print that out um, separately so you can just kind of look at it. I, I would suggest reading it and then printing that out so yeah. you have it when you run it so you don't have to look at, you know, through the text or just have, you know, bullet points for you, uh, however you would like to do that. Some
0: people yeah. like uh,
1: uh, brevity, uh, so you can use that. Yeah.
0: I, and i thought it, it's really i some of it has really nice bullet points that is in the summary so right. i can instantly see and i really like how the all the um skill roles are bold text so you yep. can see it straight away who who did the artwork you know because it's um, it's truly fantastic the well, artwork most of <laughs> the artwork
1: is um from a guy named uh yuri uh Marin. um right. he does a lot of our stuff uh and uh he does stock art as well and uh yeah
0: so um yeah most of it is him um it it really was i i love the digest version of it so just for people who are listening it's not sort of like a big a4 module it's a lot better and i i really liked how it was set out i just loved it both in the in the actual real life copy but Mm -hmm. in the pdf and it's nice that the the papers are not pure white which i actually like. Yeah, it's like a beige, a beige yeah, background. Yeah, it, it's, it's really nice. And I think it really, and the maps are brilliant, you know, they, in there, they're really clear and there's a lovely key to it. So you can see exactly what's going on in each of the areas. So. Where, where can we get it from? Well,
1: uh, you can get it. Uh, you can get it digitally from our website at games.com or drive through RPG. Yeah. Uh, you can get the print on demand copy from Amazon.com or drive through RPG. If you get it from Amazon.com, please contact us at Five Games, and we'll send you the PDF for free. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's where you can get it.
0: Yeah, and I'll put links to that um, in the show notes so people um, can check it out. I haven't run it yet, but I've seriously got it put to one side, ready to <laughs> slip in. And just to go back to one of the other things about running it um, different ways in different times, one of the things that I really thought that I'm going to do is I like that it can be um it's quite um compartmentalized in little mm-hmm. bits and i thought th- i love some of the encounters and if the party had not got to them or whatever yeah i really see me so like slipping them in you could. <laughs> you absolutely
1: know. yeah if they don't go to an area and you want to use it later you know and you know they're in some place let's say you go don't go to the armory right and yeah. and and this and you you can put that in something else and then they go in there and they see all these mannequins sitting there and then the mannequins come live yeah, exactly know, sort of yeah. yeah
0: so yeah. so what are you working on next what's next in the pipeline
1: well i don't have anything in the mithras pipeline but we are um uh going to run a kickstarter for a system called heroes and hardships in the next couple months uh and you can find out about that at fivegames.com as well so
0: Fantastic. And just before we leave it, just some general questions. What sort of characters do you like to play?
1: I usually play uh, kind of the brooding emo uh characters i guess i don't have a like a you know either a magic user or a fighter It, it they they kind of runs the gambit a little bit but yeah something like that usually uh, are, uh, so, are right. characters
0: in play. uh brooding emo i'll be right <laughs> there you go <laughs> and finally anything else that you would like to say about this fantastic adventure
1: i just uh hope people uh like it, you know, and uh, I think uh, you will get your money's worth um, with it because it's it's a, you know, interesting, I think, uh, turn and spin on kind of the dungeon crawl. And I think particularly for Mithras, there isn't a lot of that that I've seen. No, there Um, isn't. So I I think I think if you have any interest in that in your games, you could slot it in uh, just pretty much wherever you would like. And I think the ending uh, allows for if you want to develop something else for it, because it's kind of it's not unfinished but you know it's like there there's a possibility that you could right. yourself as a gm kind of do something with it and have it like connected to your world uh and your campaigns uh
0: yeah. Mo- come, most so. most definitely so thank you so much jason for coming along on the podcast yeah. it's been well, lovely thank you chatting for having to me. you yeah yeah you too I have to say that this module is absolutely fantastic. The production quality is excellent and I can see myself running it either as a standalone adventure or using the encounters separately. It is really well thought out and I think that any group of players will really enjoy it from beginning to end if they manage to get to the end. The links for the module are in the show notes, and if you're buying it from Amazon, please use the link provided since this is Jason's affiliate link. So by using it, you are helping him too. Also, don't forget to contact him for your PDF version if you buy the module from Amazon. Remember, if you would like to contribute to the podcast, then why not drop me an email or message and let me know what, what you would like to cover. I'm always looking for reviews or interviews with people. So if you are interested, you can email me at inworlds at or send me a message on the various forums I frequent. Okay, next up, we welcome back Matt, the rules guru, who is going to be talking all about surprise. Over to you, Matt.
2: Hello, I'm Matt Eager of Old Bones Publishing, Matt E on the forums. And our topic for today is surprise attacks. If you are at all familiar with Mithras, or even its D100 predecessors like RuneQuest, you may already know that combat can be farcically deadly. Forget sterile resource attrition of a wealth of hit points. Here we have visceral details like impales, lopped off limbs, and bleeding out. Any time a character enters combat might be the last time. Thus we have another well-known concept in Mithras. Fair fights are for suckers. Exploit any advantage you can because survival may hinge on it. Which brings us to surprise attacks. Even in an already dangerous system, surprise is especially deadly. A character who surprises an opponent will probably win the fight, so it pays to understand how this tactic works. Before we begin, remember my customary disclaimer. I didn't write Mithras. I've just been invited to share my own understanding of how the rules are meant to be used in actual play. Surprise is discussed as a combat tactic on page 105 of the latest edition of the Kor Mithras book. I'll go over those rules now, but I will slightly rephrase, reorder, and add my own remarks. Read along to see the differences. Surprise occurs when an unexpected attack is launched against an opponent unaware of the attacker's presence or intention. An ambush is an example of the former, while treacherously turning on an unsuspecting ally during conversation illustrates the latter. The effects of surprise are potent. The target suffers a penalty of minus 10 to initiative, which has further ramifications that may not be obvious. For the remainder of the first round, the target may not attack or perform any other offensive action, until their turn in the initiative lineup arrives, the target cannot even defend. And the first tar- attack on the target, if successful, gains a bonus special effect. As surprise can be so devastating, the target of such an attack should get a chance to detect and avoid the condition. In other games, this might be called a saving throw. For instance, An ambush might allow an opposed role of perception versus stealth. For betrayal, use insight versus deceit. Difficulty modifiers should be applied in situations where the target is hindered, such as being inebriated or dozing lightly. Conversely, a bonus should be applied if the target is suspicious or forewarned. If the target wins the opposed role, then the effects of surprise are negated. And remember that, as always, you might want to involve passions in the uh, opposed role. So there's quite a bit to explore here. I'll refer to the two parties as Surpriser and Victim. It cannot be emphasized enough that the victim of a surprise attack is in a very bad way it would be wise to spend a luck point to avoid becoming that victim. If one of the parties is a group rather than an individual, then the group's half of the saving throw opposed role might be handled as a team role, see page 51. A victim group's skill check might even be treated as a sorting role, also on page 51. Perhaps some of the group might be surprised, but the rest not. As always, the Game Master will apply good judgment and rule accordingly. For those wishing to play a character along the lines of the Assassin archetype, the rules as written specifically support this idiom. Such a character ought to be built with the Assassination combat-style trait, which allows access to the Kill Silently special effect that furthermore may only be used on surprised opponents. Such a character should also be built with a high stealth score, of course. Because the victim cannot attack during the first round note, that's the first round, not the first cycle. This means the surpriser is free to spend all action points on attacking without worrying about saving to defend. This alone is very potent, aside from all of the other benefits for the surpriser. Some quick arithmetic. Remember that initiative is determined by adding a a combatant's initiative bonus to the rolled result of 1d10. You can never roll higher than a 10 on a d10, but one of the effects of surprise is subtracting 10 from the victim's initiative. This means that if the surpriser has an initiative bonus greater than or equal to that of the victim, it is guaranteed that the surpriser will go first during each cycle, because the surpriser has to roll at least a 1. Even when the victim has the higher initiative bonus, the surpriser may still end up going first, depending on the difference between the fixed penalty of 10 and the rolled result for the victim. Never mind the rolled result for the surpriser. When the Surpriser goes first, which will not be rare, there are further ramifications. When the Surpriser acts first, the victim may find that they have nothing obvious to do on their turn. Remember, the victim may not take any offensive action for the entire first round, and in the first cycle they may not even defend against the Surpriser's initial attack. When the victim's turn finally comes in that first cycle, what is there to do? There are a few proactive actions that might make sense, but the player or games master might not be used to thinking about them. Considering the victim's dire situation, the best choice may be delay, to conserve the action point for defending in the next cycle rather than dithering. A victim who goes down this road may find themselves perpetually behind until the end of the round when dithering could become inevitable. Thus, we see that in addition to the four listed effects of surprise, there may also be a de facto penalty of one dithered action point for the victim at the end of the first round, depending on circumstances. Perhaps the surpriser has fewer action points than the victim. If the surpriser runs out of action points, but the victim still has some to spend, in that first round, the victim still may not attack, and so will need to choose some other proactive action. This only amplifies the issue we just described, although it's always better to have more action points than fewer. In this situation, A good choice might be change range as the first step to disengaging, and those rules were covered in episode 24 of this podcast. What if the Surpriser does not want to put down the victim? Does surprise have to be deadly? No. Use the compel-surrender special effect if your games master agrees. See the caveat on page 97. In this special situation of surprise, the games master might even allow the use of that special effect as a proactive action rather than insisting on an actual attack, if the Surpriser does not want to inflict any damage. That idea is not in the rules as written, though. If you stick strictly to the rules in the book, you may still choose to pull the blow See page one o five for half damage. Other useful non-lethal special effects include disarm opponent, take weapon, and trip opponent. Taking a broader view, what about surprise outside of physical combat? To enhance drama in non-combat situations, an inventive games master might like to extend the concept of surprise to social conflict or spirit combat. The rules for social conflict in the Mithras Companion do not include surprise and neither do the rules for spirit combat in the core book, but they could. The surpriser might still win an extra special effect, and the victim might still only be allowed to counter rather than taking the offensive. Think outside the box. If it seems interesting, develop your own additional rules. In conclusion. Surprise in Mithras can be deadly. Achieving surprise in a fight provides decisive advantages, so players should always be thinking before the fight about how to create favorable conditions and how to avoid such trouble for their own characters. Surprise does not need to be deadly if killing is not the objective, And it might also be interesting to extend the concepts and rules for surprise beyond physical combat to other dramatic situations. Well, that's all of my time for today. I hope this brief discussion of surprise attacks has got you thinking about your own gameplay. My concluding advice is, understand these rules before your character enters the fray.
0: Game on! Well, I certainly understand more about surprise. Another rule that is going to make its way more into my campaigns. Players, beware. And that's it. Another episode of Mithras Matters completed. Don't forget, you can check out all my content by following my YouTube channel and the campaign areas on World Anvil. I really appreciate your support and do check out the Tapper forums and the Discord. There are some great people there sharing their ideas within discussions. So until next time, have a great month of gaming and I will chat to you all again in July. Until then... I hope that all your opposed roles succeed and provide you with a well deserved special. Thanks for listening, everyone. See ya. Bye. content of this podcast is covered by the creative commons attribution 3.0 license so please give appropriate credit if you are sharing or copying any part of this podcast thank you